Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, chat some interesting figures and leading lights of this crazy industry we're in of writing and self-publishing. And today we are absolutely delighted to have with us Enzondi, who is a musician and Bram Stoker award-winning author, also known as Ace, Ace by name, Ace by nature. Uh, Ace, it is delightful to have you with us today. How are you doing today? Roland, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks. Uh, this is a blast. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, we are looking forward to chatting to you. And of course, we wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems. How are you doing today, Craig? Doing really well. Thanks, Roland. And welcome, Anzandi. Um, you know, I'm glad that you were take, able to take some time out to talk to us because, you know, I know you're you're super busy, you know, between writing. You've got an album on about 300 uh, or sorry, a single on about 300 radio stations. Uh, and then you're working on a 12 song album. Um, and so your life sounds super busy, uh, which is exactly what we want to talk about today, because, you know, not everyone, not all authors are, are putting out albums as well as writing. But but a lot of them are, uh, you know, struggling with just being busy with with whatever else they have going on in their lives. And sometimes finding the time to write is challenging. So um, you have uh, you have dealt with this and you've you've figured out a way to you, know, you had mentioned a, a very methodical way to sort of work writing into your schedule. So we're going to talk to you all about that. But, you know, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and, and how you got into writing and, and what, you know, the music and, and all those things that are keeping you super busy. And then we'll we'll get into to how you're uh, you're finding the time to write. Sure. Thanks. Uh, I'm a son of a, a nurse. And uh, an artist, uh, my father, Chris Asman, D.C. Hall, uh, was not only an artist, he was an activist and a songwriter and a painter. Uh, and he created one of the top selling black dolls in the nation at that time, a doll called Huggy Bean. He wrote a song that's very, very popular even to this day called So What? He wrote the lyrics of So What? Song by Miles Davis. And he painted tons of stuff. If you've ever seen uh, The Kings of Africa, Budweiser, The King. A couple of those posters that are around, you know, back back in the day and that are now in like uh, libraries and, and, and uh, universities. He did those and he started the Black is Beautiful movement back in the late 50s and early 60s. So, you know, all of that kind of just oozed out of him and, and, and into me. And, uh, you know, I, I started out as a school teacher. You know, I was in education for 13, 14 years in New York and then in L.A., as an associate director of education, I have been a director of a few programs in, in education. And there was this void. I mean, I've always been a writer from writing King Kong to Godzilla to Spider-Man to all kinds of different comic books, you know, just drawing and writing stories and telling ghost stories to my little nieces since I was, I don't know, I can't even remember, uh, you know, since the first time I saw Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, I think, maybe. And, uh, you know, I've always wanted to write, but never really learned you know, the actual specific details and, you know, the, the nuances of, you know, what it means to write a novel. You know, I thought I was a writer. And when I first started dabbling in philosophical, you know, uh, epitaphs and, you know, and, and, and little stanzas and poems, you know, I thought I could write a book. But, you know, it was when I just had this big void and I quit my job at the Civil Learning Center and started learning how to write. And it took me about six to eight years. And I, you know, finally kind of got it down and sold my first novel. And the rest is history. I love writing, you know. And um, so I'm you know, basically an author by nature. And uh, as far as the music goes, I always wanted to do music kind of like what my dad did. But it was kind of like a bad, it was like a girlfriend that you broke up with. Yeah. And you see her years later 
and you say, oh, uh, hey, how you doing? Let's uh, want to have some coffee sometime. And you go out with her again and you remember why you broke up. And that has always been my relationship with you. <laughs> That's <an hysterical. laughs> so music has always been like a love hate. But, uh, you know, really through my book that I'm writing now, uh, which is my fifth book, my fourth novel that I'm writing now, some of the characters playing a band. And, you know, I got inspired to kind of write some songs. And next thing you knew, I called up and got the drummer from Puddle of Mud, Dave Moreno. He played the drums on it, on my track. And Fredro Starr, who's in a iconic group called onyx and he's an actor and you know he got on it and did his little thing and i came out with a rock song called teenage rock star based on the character in my book and now it's on close to 300 300 radio stations so yeah that's me in a nutshell <laughs> wow <laughs> i mean that's you're a busy I mean, guy which is yeah it's nice to have all these connections like if i decided to write a song um i wouldn't have anyone to call Maybe I could call you now, but yep. other than that, I've got no nobody who's going to be playing the drums and the. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Well, that's. I mean, I get it. I get your. You know, you've got all this going on, um, and you know, finding the time to to write is challenging. So, yeah. how have you started to figure out how to work that into your schedule? You know, when I when I used to teach, uh, I taught eighth graders. One of the, the things that I used to try to instill in them was the philosophy of you really have to be crazy um, to be good at anything, to master anything, to be excellent at anything, to be seen by your peers as, you know, as worth, you know, talking to, uh, you know, as good. And I always used to give them that idea of think of, you know, Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel, how crazy it is. The normal person would not spend hours and hours and hours. If you've ever been to, to uh, any any church or any place in Paris or France or Italy, anywhere, and you looked up and you've seen a, you know, a ceiling that's that's painted and beautiful and the massive work that it took to go behind it. You actually see that, you know, it's it takes a crazy guy to do that. You know, um, or someone who's crazy about their passion and their work. And so I started developing this, you know, this method to how, you know, to really get the writing down, you know. And uh, so, I, you know, I have quite a few different methods of that I approach to to that are consistent. Part of it is being consistent to getting the stuff down and getting the writing down and finishing a book, you know, which is probably one of the hardest things I've, I've ever done in my entire life was finish one novel, uh, much less two or three to four going on five. So, yeah. So you needed to figure out a way to uh, be great without being crazy. Is that what you mean? Um, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's putting the time in all of the different nuances or all of the different, you know, uh, things that it takes to, to really craft a really good story, which includes reading, you know, I know a lot of authors that don't read a lot. And I'm like, how do you, It, you know, so that takes a lot of time, you know, just to, to read a book, a novel, you know, you see a ton of Stephen King novels, like each one takes like 10 years to read, basically, like 600 page books, <laughs> you know, I'm being funny, but, you know, reading and then it, and then it was just setting goals, little tiny goals from, hey, I'm gonna write 15 minutes a day, every day, no matter what, you know, to uh, get in my way, getting myself away from distractions. Which, yeah, we, there's a lot of things. So, you know, I'll wait for you to ask me the questions, but, you know, I can kind of detail every single thing that I do as far as that. So, 
I mean, you right off the bat, there's something that that writing for 15 minutes a day. I mean, I I know, and Craig knows, and any self-published author knows. You know, the the key to success is to keep writing. But it's so easy to like have a day where you don't write anything, and that turns to two days, and that turns to a week, and then suddenly you're like, what can you do? Whereas if you write every day, you can't help but end up creating something that has value. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, a quick story. When I when I first started writing, I said, you know, one of the things that I had to do was get myself around writers. So that was the first thing I did. I said, I got to get myself around people who are engaged in this process of writing, who actually put out books, you know. And so I joined the Writer Society. So that was one of the first things I did. I joined the Writer Society, um, did a lot of volunteer work. And that led me to meet a lot of different writers uh, in the society that I was in and volunteering for. We went to a lot of cons you know, a lot of conventions. And next thing you know, I became the vice president, you know, it took me a couple of years, I became the vice president of that. So now we would have these speaking events and we would have different great writers come to speak to our panels and to speak to our members. And one year, you know, we had uh, Ray Bradbury. Oh my God, listen, listen. The Ray Bradbury. Yes. Oh, wow. And we used to meet in a library that we now call the Ray Bradbury Library, you know, in uh, in, in Venice, uh, in California. And the thing that he told me that stuck with me was you got to go to the library every day. He said, go every day. And he said, try to write a, a I don't really write a lot of short stories, but, you know, this is what he told me. He said, try to write a story every day. Now, imagine if you wrote a story every day, you know. Yes, that's 360 plus stories. And yeah, maybe a lot of them might not be good, but I guarantee you some of them will be really, really good. And that process that he put in my mind was you just got to keep writing. You got to keep writing. Got to keep writing. Got to keep writing. And put yourself in an environment that nurtures the writing. So join us, the society, putting myself around other writers that had a passion for writing and then putting myself in a quiet space where I could dedicate, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. It turned into like six hours, you know dedicate that on a daily basis or as you know, cause I had, I, I work in the entertainment business as a stand in. So that could sometimes be 10, 12 hours a day on set, you know, so I'd have to find the time to make it work while I'm writing and, and, and reaching those goals. And I change the goals up sometimes. So, you know, maybe it was a hundred words a day, you know, 200 words a day, you know, Oh, I missed a day. All right. So I got to do crap. I got to do 400 words today. You know, whatever it was, I would create, a different goal and try to reach that goal. So that's part of it. Well, you've been doing this a while because Ray Bradbury died uh, in 2012. So that was, yeah, you've been at this for, for a good amount of time. Yeah. You look pretty young to me. I, I wouldn't have thought you were that old. <laughs> 57. Oh my God. You don't look a day over, I don't know, 40 to me. But Thank you. Know, you. I'll take me. that. <laughs> Um, okay, so so let's go through some of the some of the steps. Then you know how does okay. how does this get started? What do you what do you do first? Okay, so uh, the first thing I do is um, you know, and each each it's funny. It's kind of like if you have any of you had children. Do you have children? Yeah, I have so, a couple. <laughs> yeah, I have three. Okay, so if you have more than one, you, you totally get this. For me, I had two boys. You know, I, I raised them since they were two and four years old, you know, and uh, which means they are not they're not my biological, but I raised them. Now they're 27 and 25. So since two and four is very young. 
And I realized each son is different. Like you can't, you try to, well, work with this. I'll try, I'll treat that, you know, it's that different. They have different sensitivities, yeah. different likes, different, you know, they respond to things differently. So for me, each book was different. Each approach was different, you know. So, but for the, for the most part, you know, I would, I would sit down and I would just, uh, just kind of write the story. I let the characters talk to me and I just kind of write the story. So that was the first thing, just kind of get it down. Just, just start writing, just get it down. Try not to worry about too many mistakes or, you know, uh, try to clean it up and editing. Don't, you know, don't do too much self editing. I would just get, get the writing down. Actually, let me, let me go back before I did any of that. I had to get rid of the distractions. So I started trying to write at home, just, which is probably why I'm, you know, divorced from my third wife. Because <laughs> leave home. I'd have to leave home. I'd have to get out of there. So I'd have to get out of there. And I, before I started going to the library, after I met Ray Brabber, I'd go to Starbucks. Listen, I'd bring a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a bottle of uh, pain pills, ibuprofen. And, you know, I turned my phone off. And there were times when I would literally, I'm not even exaggerating, go to Starbucks, the one on Soup in Los Angeles and, and Woodland Hills. At five in the morning when it opened, like I'm there waiting on them to open it. And I go and find this little cubby hole. Like if you if you know the soup one, you go right in the corner where I couldn't see people as much. Have my headphones on. During that time, it was a lot of Jimi Hendrix. Headphones on, Jimi Hendrix, tons of coffee, pain pills for, you know, for the third hour when I was there. And I would be there from 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. at night writing, you know. So the first That's thing I had to make the distractions. So, you know, the phone's ringing. I don't see it ringing, you know. Ex-wife is mad at me. I'm not answering the phone. You know, that all kind of thing. I understand if you're if you're a mother or a single father, you can't do that. The phone always has to be on, you know, you have young kids. But these are the things that I did. I had to get rid of the distractions. I'm a big gamer. I used to love playing games. I can't write at home. I, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to take – I deserve a break now. So my break is to play a little NFL Madden football, uh, a little Resident Evil. You know, you tell you things. You tell yourself things like that. So I, got, I had to get away from home. Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I, I want to get a beer. Oh, is there any Corona left? You just find excuses to get up. And once I got the beer, I'm like, oh, let me see what's on ESPN. Let's see what, you know, what's going on. And I had to get rid of the distractions. So I have rules. When you go to Starbucks, you can't answer the phone. Or if you do, you look at the phone periodically. No games, no TV, no Netflix, only writing. So those are rules that I had when I was at Starbucks, you know, and you don't have those kind of rules when you're home. You're like, oh, let me. So I had to get away from home and get myself in an environment where I would be, what which was conducive to my writing. So that was the first thing. Um, I tried parks. I love riding around nature. It's you know, oh, I love that. But then there were like little bugs crawling on my keyboard and stuff like that. So I hate. So I had to get away from that. And uh, so yeah, Starbucks worked for me in the library. So that was the first thing. And then, you know, um, I've never had writer's block. Thank goodness. And maybe because of this strategy, whenever I don't have the story there to write, per se, the plot to write, it, it's not moving forward. I work on details. I work on characterization. I work on, hey, I used, I, you know, I used this building, you know, uh, for my setting. Was this building the right building in New England at the time? In 1980, is this, a, you know, so I look up the architecture. So I look up details, you know, I'm flying a hill, my character's flying a helicopter. So I look up how in the heck do you fly a helicopter? I can't be 
too general. So I look, you know, I would look up different little details, science to see if the science was right. And then by the time I spend researching, you know, two or three hours of fast, that's a productive day. So sometimes if I wasn't writing, I would do details, you know, um, idioms. What were they saying at this time period in South Carolina, you know, in the 80s? You know, what is it might be different. Do they call it pop or fizzy? Do they call it soda? You know, different things like that. And that helped me get some really crucial stuff down to make my writing tighter and more polished. So I did those things as well. I keep talking. I don't know if you have more. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I mean, so um, a lot of those things, like you know, you being able to go to to Starbucks. This is this is earlier in your career, right? But um, you know, that's uh, it. Doesn't sound like uh, that's something. It, it's not sort of like the idea of fitting it into a busy schedule. Like in that sense, you're like saying to hell with my schedule. I'm yeah. writing is my schedule. And but but like you said, like not everyone can can break off from their lives and do that. Right. Uh, you know, they've got to find those little those little bits of time to fit it in. Right. So, yeah. Which is so, probably... so the number one thing with this, I, I believe, is sacrifice. Right. So one of the first things that worked for me before I started going to Starbucks, before I started you know, going to the library, was finding the time to do it. You know, at the time when I first started writing, I was still in education. So it was very demanding. I was a director, you know, I worked a lot, a lot of hours. So I got up at four o'clock in the morning when the world was asleep. The world was asleep, no distractions. I'm at home. I put in a little bit of time before I got ready to go to work. I was tired as hell during the day, but you know, that was how I, you know, that is probably the best advice for someone who is can't you know work around their schedule as much i'd have to work outside of that schedule which was for me was early in the morning because late at night doesn't work you're tired you know the day is gone already kids are up you know what have you tv's on all kind of stuff is going on so it was early in the morning four o'clock in the morning so that also can help i haven't been doing that so much recently but i remember i used to do that and i found it amazing because you were downstairs you were you know you had your coffee you were fresh and there were no distractions my kids were still asleep my wife was still asleep but the yeah. house was quiet and i remember when i was able to fit that into my life it was incredibly productive period yeah yeah so craig yeah, that's i remember I remember, I remember Roland doing that for a while. He would be up at, you know, four or five a.m. and and doing that. That's that's not. I I'm not a great sleeper at night, so I've got to <laughs> take the time. But I often think like last night was one of those nights where I was just laying there for hours, not able to sleep, thinking to myself, I you know, I'm just wasting time right now. I could just be so much more productive. I'm not sleeping anyways, <laughs> you know. I should just got up and did some writing. Well, I think part of it is you've got to find, you know, what's right for you. Ernest Hemingway wrote early in the morning, whereas uh, Hunter S. Thompson wrote all through the night. And so I think it depends on, on what works for you. But I mean, uh, Ace, I know that I, I felt that when I was able to get up that early in the morning, then it was like, wow, two, three hours you could spend and get a day's work done. Yeah, and I think also it is you have to you really have to just make a decision, a choice um okay this is what i want to do so this has to be a job you know so i got to commit to it i got to figure out a way to get this done somehow some way like even when i was on set for 10 12 hours a day you know um so i, I worked as a stand-in for those 
people who don't know what standing is, a rehearsal actor. Um, basically, we're there. Like, say, for example, I did, you know, I stood in, I stood in for Rock on the Oscars, okay? The Rock on the Oscars, uh, the last the last Oscars. Um, now, during the Oscars, you don't really interact with the, the actors as much, you know, because they only come for their rehearsal once or twice, and you don't really react. Your TV shows, you can react and tell them, hey, we did this, we did that, you know, and you make build relationships. But shows like that, you don't really interact. But what I did is when we had to go up, like, for example, The Rock had to read from a teleprompter. The lighting is is getting all of, you know, they're just getting the lighting down that they need for that. The camera's working on the moves when he walks from the behind the curtain to here, you know, you know, whatever the different scenes might be. The camera's working on the moves, the lighting's working, the sound is working, the teleprompter people are working. So they're different, doing different things, you know, while you're rehearsing for that particular actor. Well, that may have lasted 10 minutes, 20 minutes, sometimes an hour. And then you go sit down. When I'm sitting down, I'm writing, baby. You know, I'm like, this is my job. I got to get this stuff down. You know, I'm writing, you know, if my five minutes and I got to get back up. I had to make the decision that, you know, instead of my friend, my other friends who are like over there talking and going, getting a banana, a bagel. I can't do that. I got to get this down, you know, because no one's going to do it but me. So I had to make that decision and that sacrifice. So sometimes it's, it comes in really, really tiny chunks, but you just have to be consistent and do a lot of tiny chunks to get it done. So I will, was- I will say one thing that might uh, help with that, which I find myself doing is like, if I'm waiting for my kids or I'm waiting the line at the checkout or something like that. Yeah. If you're thinking about the sentence that you're going to write and you kind of have that in your head. And then when you've got the five minutes, you just write that sentence. But it's kind of like, just because you are unable to physically write because you're doing something else, if your brain is is not active, you can think about what you're going to write when you manage to get there. And it's almost like downloading it. it can, obviously, you can't do paragraphs of it. But if you know you've got a chance to like write a single paragraph and you think that paragraph off in your head and then you can hammer it out and then go and do something else, it yeah. may, means you can be productive even when you're not able to be productive. Correct. Craig, have you ever tried this? When I'm in, when I'm usually, it, I only usually do this when I'm starting a book for the most part. On the way to work, which usually is somewhere between 15 minutes to an hour because I work in different sets, I turn the radio off and I do just what Roland was saying. I go in my head and I'd go over the scene in my head over and over. Sometimes I'd say, you know what, the character, she would never say that, you know, and I'm just, going over and over in my head. So by the time I get to work, I get to a place where I can write, it's in my mind, it's solid. You know, I know exactly what I want to do or how I want to fix it. To me, that's writing too, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, half the time that's what's keeping me awake is all the all the stuff spinning around in my head. I can't turn that. There's no off switch that I've found. Yeah. Um, or in the shower, you know, you're, you, you've got no distractions in there. You're doing your hair and you're just thinking and you're thinking about a lot of my greatest ideas come to me when I'm there because I've got no distractions at all. Uh, you know, it's it's wrote, you know, I don't have to think about what I'm doing. So your mind wanders and you just you, know, you think of all these other things. So so when you're taking those times, you know, when you're standing in or when you're in the grocery, what are you writing on? Are you bringing a laptop with you or are you doing it on your phone or? If whatever I can write on, I've been in I've been in uh, Hooters writing on a napkin before. <laughs> yeah. um, it's really whatever I can write on. I actually, I wish, well, I don't pull out a book, but I I even write in my books. You know, um, books used to be really sacred to me. Like, oh, don't touch my book! They're all the page folded. Now it becomes yeah. research books. You know, I highlight different areas that I thought was really cool. 
So I, I may even write, if I don't have anything right on, I might write in the back of the book, this idea, that idea. Um, I brought my laptop, um, you know, and a lot of times it is on my laptop, but you know, I have a little small iPad, so I might write on that. It's whatever I can use to get it down. Uh, a lot of times it's on my phone, you know, my little notepad on my phone. I use that a lot nowadays, you know, the little, the little yellow notepad. I use that a lot, you know, so whatever I can write on, I write. Yeah. And I, I really like, I really liked what you mentioned before about, you know, the idea of when you're blocked, a lot of writers, you know, they decide, Oh, I, I you know, I'm writing and I, now I don't know where to go. And they, and they, you know, they go and do other things completely or, or they, you know, they try to push through it and they, it just wastes a lot of time. I like the idea of pivoting and doing other writing related tasks yeah. that are still going to move you forward but mm -hmm. not necessarily, you know, you, you've just moved to a different task instead of pounding your head against the wall, trying to trying to get some blood from a stone there when it's just not happening. You yeah. just move on to something where you don't need to be creative. You, you're going to do your research. You're going to do your, you know, just, uh, you know, your plotting, your, your characterization, all that stuff. I, I like that, um, that idea too. Yeah. Cause you know, that's also, you know, I call it a pass, you know, a lot of times once you finish the book, then you got to go back and do a pass. I remember one time I did a pass and it was during a, a period of time where I used the word soul a lot. Oh my God. I had the word soul five trillion times, you know, in the book. So I had to go and get rid of soul, soul, this and that. So I'm like, wow, I had no idea I was that repetitive. And that alone took hours to go through and get rid. Of. I mean, you do a search for soul, but then you got to clean it up. You have to come up with something, a yeah. different plan that, and you know, uh, characterization passes where I'm like, that's not consistent with how that character speaks. You know, she would, maybe she don't, she won't even speak here. You know, she would just ignore him, whatever, you know? So there are so many different things you can do when you have that writer's block that enables you to move forward in the process. So I agree. And yeah. And it's a, it's a time saver too. I mean, like you were saying earlier, like, you know, you got to the right, write your story. Don't self edit. Um, but if you're blocked, you can use that time to go and do a bit of editing because you're not writing anyways. Right. And then yeah. that's not wasted time. That's time you're saving from later on. Like you're going to get back later on. Yeah. 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 So then what's the next step after that? We had write the story. Don't self edit. What uh, next? I have some stuff written down here. Let me look on my little pad here. Uh, Oh yeah, you know, and like I said, um, you, you, I, I really believe that you have to, you really have, this might sound simplistic, but I know a lot of people who don't do this. You have to set aside time for reading. Um, when I read, I write. You know, I, uh, a, a good friend of mine used to say, I've taken what his words and, and repurposed them into, um, uh, I, read, I, I read to inhale and I write to exhale. And uh, the process of I like breathing. That. That's interesting. Thank you. The process of breathing creates a story. And so, you know, it really is that when I read, you know, I'm like, wow, this character's doing that. Oh, you know, a lot of Lee Child books, you know, I don't know if you, see, you can't see them way up here. My Lee Child books, you know, uh, that character, you know, he just does such really cool, you know, kick butt stuff. And, uh, and Lee Child is really, really, uh, he really is descriptive in how he explains how things are done, you know? Yeah. And, I, and uh, just reading that gives me that aspect. Like a lot of my, a lot of the writers that I love, 
each one of them have something about them that helps hone, you know, uh, skills that I want to have in my writing. You know, Stephen King is really good with characterization. Oh, my God. That's why his books are so long. You really know the characters. You know, like, and like I said, Lee Child is really good with descriptive writing. And so, you know, um, uh, uh, Laura K. Hamilton with her Anita Blake series is really good with uh, personality, you know, and having that female that just has spunk. And, of course, uh, uh, not romance, but uh, not eroticism, but uh, uh, just sexiness. She's really good with that. And so uh, each one of those little details, Octavia Butler, each one of those little details from reading a ton of it, allows me to be able to you know it, it comes out of it comes out of it comes out in my writing you know but through my own style and through my own you know way of thinking so you know another one of those processes is reading i read to inhale i write to exhale now it's, it sounds like you read quite broadly as well i remember stephen king's always like you need to read as much as you write but it's like to go um get to uh, to go, you mentioned two very disparate authors right then. And so what is your approach to books? What do you like to read if you have such a broad uh, reading? Uh... I'll, I'll break it down to you like this. So for for, for my novel, uh, Awari Mosaic, that won the Bram Stoker, I wanted to write, I always wanted to, actually before when I used to want to be an actor, I wanted to be in a T, I wanted to be the black Quincy. You know, there was a show in the 70s called Quincy Medical Examiner. He was a forensic investigator, Jack Klugman. You know, I loved him in Odd Cut. I remember that show. Yeah, man. So um, he was just so passionate. He would yell. He would argue with, you know, he was just so passionate. So I wanted to have, I wanted to be that character. Since I knew I wasn't going to be that character, I said, maybe I'll write a character like that. So I basically took a young girl around 17, 18, put her in the metaverse, actually what I call the neuroverse. Because a lot of things happen in their mind. So like the games they play are in their mind. You know, it's not the metaverse, but the neuroverse. And I had to become a, a forensic investigator. So for that whole process, I needed to know mystery. I needed to have a badass chick, you know, I mean, a, bad, a kick butt chick. Uh, I needed to have, of course, horror, you know. And I wanted a good detective. So I studied Quincy. I actually watched the programs and wrote down line by line different things he did, the TV program. I studied Sherlock Holmes, you know, I studied a lot of Sherlock Holmes, the books and the TV series. And I wrote down a lot of different things, plot lines and plot points. Um, I read a lot of Lee Child, you know, I wanted to see what this character was doing, you know. So that aspect helped me with the detective part, the kick butt part, you know. So that's why it's kind of broad like that, because I read books that were specific to the type of details that I wanted to put in and mold my character and my story around. Um, and of course, Anita Blake, you know, um, just the strong female character that has a lot of problems. Most uh, has a uh, is always fighting herself and her own emotions to do things that she really doesn't want to do, um, which is really, I guess, the basis of characterization anyway. But uh, those are those. That's why it's so widespread and, and why you know I read those uh, a variety of different uh, genres or subgenres. Um, Because it really helped me, you know, mold my writing. Now, I find that really interesting. I write romance novels and there's a formula for writing romance novels. And people might, it sounds counterintuitive, but once I learned what the formula was, it made it easier for me to write because I knew like, oh, I'm writing this story. I have these characters. I need this to happen. I need this to happen. I need, And it was almost like 
being able to draw a roadmap and that made yeah. writing through and getting to the end much easier and it sounds yeah. it sounds like you've got the same thing you know you quincy i remember that show had a you know it was a regular structure just like colombo you know the colombo yeah. uh, all the episodes always had a structure to it but a good book has a similar structure and an author you like has a structure they can't repeat lee child is a brilliant example it's like there are 25 lee child books and each one is different but at the same time each one is familiar and you yeah. read them and you kind of enjoy what goes through so it's almost like you sound like your your broad reading was uh giving you the tools just like writing is a craft not an art you're like a carpenter and you're getting the tools to be able to craft what it is you're building but i like that approach because you know once you learn these tools it helps you structure things because you're like okay i have to do this bit i have to do that but and, and it maps out what you need to do it's almost like a blueprint for your book and then you just need to fill in the blanks absolutely yes sir yeah uh, yeah I, I mean like i've read a lot of the oh i've read all the uh, the lee child jack reacher books as well and you know i i agree you know he's got his 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 approach to writing i found really motivating for my own writing is you know i, I mean every writer is like that stephen king is a very different writer right but you know you have to find what resonates for you and uh, that's probably going to be a variety of different authors. But there's something that even when you're reading it, you're not mimicking them, but you're sort of, you're drawing in all of their knowledge and all of their styles and all their stuff. And that's sort of like, it, it absolutely makes me a better writer when I read more. I, yeah. If I stop reading, I, it's much harder for me to write. You know, I just, I can't, I can't put the words together as eloquently or as quickly because I'm just, you know, writing is, a, is like a muscle, right? And, you know, if you're not reading it and you're not writing, you're losing that. The muscle gets flabby and weak and yeah, yeah it's much harder. Yeah, yeah I, I look at it like, uh, you know, I'm a big, huge, spectacular fan. And when I say that, I don't mean that I'm a, uh, like I know every detail and I have every book about it, but I'm a huge fan of Bruce Lee. And, uh, you know, the fact that uh, uh, Kune Do is based on going through these different styles, right? And then not taking any one of these styles, but letting these styles create who you are and you create your own style, you know, it's training. Just like you said, it's a muscle. So the reading for me was the training that I needed, the consistent training that I needed to develop my own style. And so here I am, I'm going through all these different styles and you have to read a lot in order to absorb what that style is, to, to understand, you know, to innately, subconsciously what that style is. You have to read a ton of that particular, you know, author's work to really get a, get a grasp of that. But then it becomes who you are, you know, and then you just create your own style based on all of the different influences that you had. So you're right, it's not mimicking, um, it's, it's growing through their styles, it's growth. Exactly. Yeah. So now that you're okay. So now that you have, you know, your, your, uh, your music career is going on, you, you know, you're working on an album, you probably don't have the ability to, you know, take those long writing time periods that you had before. Right. So you, have you adjusted your style to, to sort of, um, you know, fit it more into 
what's going on in your life right now when you know like before it's like okay i make that sacrifice but now you've got two passions to sacrifice against each other it's like maybe maybe writing switches because you're you know you're writing songs and so that becomes part of that you know that period but if you're still trying to write novels while you're also trying to put together um an album i i feel like there's probably going to be some you know headbutting of sacrifices and and priorities there right Raise your hand if you had kids, please. Raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So I guess the best way to explain this type of chaos is you love both of your children or all three of your children or all of your children just as passionately. But as they're growing up, they have their own things that they're doing. The spelling bee over here, the play over here, soccer over here. And you have to attend if you don't attend them, man, they give it to you, right? So you have to attend all of these different events, you know, the choir, the band, and you, 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 it's not even about finding time. You just, you get there, you, you make it happen. You get there, the different responsibilities and, you know, it's different times, some are longer than others. And for me, that's kind of how uh this schedule has been for me no matter how much i schedule it it doesn't it doesn't work that way because you know uh for example i work i woke up this morning and i'm like okay i gotta finish this mix on this song you know so i can get it to the wrecking company i gotta finish the mix you know i've been mixing it for two or three days and each day i go in and be like oh that doesn't i gotta tweak this this is not right and I'm like, I got to finish the mix. And I can't move on until it's done. Like, I just can't stop until it's done. If it's done in half an hour, great, moving on. If it's done in an hour, two hours, three hours, I have no idea. It's just I don't stop until it's done. Now, when it's done, I can move on. So I'll set aside, okay, <clears throat> I'll work on the mix from uh, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And I'll be done. And then at uh, 11 a.m., I'll write to 4 and if I'm still mixing to four, then you know, 4 p.m., I'm not able to write. So I'm like, OK, I'll write tomorrow. So it has been that juggling of chaos, you know, but I still am able to kind of get the things done. And uh, and then I make a promise to myself as soon as you're done with this project, you know, once this song is done, now you got to write. No matter what, you can't go back to the song, even if it's egging at you, a new song, you got to finish, you know, you got to write, you got to spend time writing. So I have, to, I have to set those kind of those rules that, OK, I didn't get my writing down Monday, but I got to write on Wednesday and Friday, period. You know, and so that's kind of how I've been juggling it. And then I'm a hypocrite because then it doesn't always happen that way. But I just still try to set those rules to kind of get it done. So it's kind of like juggling, you know, children's schedules in a way. It's like, you know, you got to get it done and somehow you get it done. Yeah, I think I mean, it probably doesn't work the same for everyone, you know, everybody works differently. Everybody has different ways that, you know, that, that things work for them. I find like you, like setting a, like a rule, not, not like a, oh, I'll probably do this today. Like it's a rule is for me much easier to follow than sort of just being like, well, here's my plan. I'll probably do that. You know, like, like for instance, I've been doing intermittent fasting, right? For a long time, you know, we tried different diets, whatever. And I, I can't, I can't stick to them because I like to eat what I like to eat. And, you know, and y you can, I, I find it really hard to sort of like be like, oh, I can't eat that. You're in different situations where yeah. you can't eat certain things. But for me, 
you know, not eating during a certain time is, is much easier. And to me, that's like a rule. And like, so eight o'clock will come and, and I can't eat anymore. And at the beginning, it was a little harder, but it was like, you know, I'd be like, oh, I want a snack. Usually I'd snack now, but I'd be like, no, the rule is I can't eat after eight. Yeah. Right. And now it's, it's like, it's so easy. It's, it's so much easier, right. To, yeah. Because it's a rule and people will be like, oh, like, you know, they'll, they'll have something and they'll offer it to me. I'm be like, no, nah, I can't. And they're like, oh, I can never do that. I'm like, how can you do that? It's a rule. I don't know. It's, it's my rule. That's <laughs> you know something really, really important that I always forget because sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm I'm speaking to Roland and Craig. I'm speaking to you too, and you know, we're writers. We've been writing for a while, but sometimes it's that person that just started, and they're like, "Yeah, but how? How do I get there?" And I forget that that's one of the most important things. And if you understand that there's a science to the how, then you can get to the how. And the science is this: it takes I forget the exact number, but I'm pretty close. It takes somewhere between 50 to 60 times of doing something in a row and it becomes a habit. So it's about developing habits that work. So, again, if you develop a habit of writing every day for five minutes, which is nothing, that's nothing, five minutes. After you do that for about a month and a half, something exits you when you don't write. You're like, oh, my God, I didn't write today. Like, it's something in you that just exits you. You have to build the habit of doing something consistently. So, you know, I've done intermittent fasting as well. It was like no no eating after 7 p.m. And at first it's kind of hard. Like, oh, I just want a little snack. I'm up, you know, <laughs> I'm on a little snack at 10 p.m. I'm watching the game. You know, so I learned that I had to develop other ways of getting past that. But once I did it for a while, it was nothing. It was nothing to do. Right. You know, so I remember that I had to build the habit. So the science of it is once you do something consistently, for 50 or 60 times, which sounds like a lot, a lot, but really it's only about a month or two months, you start very small in small increments, do it consistently, you develop a habit that you can't break. And that's what it is. It's becoming turning turning a, a goal into a lifestyle. So once you turn it into a lifestyle, I think that's when you're able to be able to make these rules. You have to settle, you know, you have to make it a lifestyle. Then you can make these rules and you can set these goals and reach these goals because now it's part of your lifestyle like eating no one forgets to eat you know because we're so used to it it's part of our lifestyle so and if you're super busy and you don't have a lot of time in your life you know think about the time everybody's got that time they're you know they're wasting you know they're watching their shows or they're you know doing whatever it is they're doing and even if it's okay every day i can fit 30 minutes of writing in and that's my rule i have to fit 30 minutes a day in and that sometimes is going to mean I have to give up watching, you know, my favorite TV show or, or sometimes it's, I, you know, I shouldn't take that nap or whatever. Uh, yeah. But you got to get that 30 days in and, or 30 minutes in. And then after a while, you know, that'll be your habit and then yeah. you'll get it. And then if you want, you extend it. Now I'll do yeah. 45, now I'll do 60. And that's how you're going to find that time and squeeze it into your business schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's sacrifice too. You know, first when I wrote my first book, I made a rule: no TV. I didn't watch TV for about a year or something like that. I can't even believe I did that. Like I watched so much TV now, I can't even believe I went like the whole year not watching TV. I, I watched game. I watched football games on Sundays. That was it. So yeah, it's a huge sacrifice. priorities. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge sacrifice. 
sacrifice, but you know, that's part of the process is sacrifice. Yeah. Nothing is won without sacrifice. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, it looks like we're coming to the top of the hour. So we're going to have to wrap things up, Ace. But what a fascinating discussion to be. Before we wrap things up and before Ace, uh, you tell everyone where they can find out more about you. Craig, uh, do you have any final questions? Uh, no, I mean, listen, he, we covered a lot of bases here. Uh, you know, and Zandi, uh, Ace, he has a lot of, you know, really solid tips. He's been doing this for a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he uh, he's he's got it down. He's he's a busy guy, and he's he's got a few books now, and he's got he's won an award. He's got an album going. You know, I think that uh, we can all sort of learn that if nothing, in, like we said, nothing in life comes without sacrifice. Nothing worthwhile comes without sacrifice. So you pretty much have to figure out what is worth it to you, and yeah. what you know whether or not you know, watching another show is more important than eventually getting your book done, you know, or whatever it is that you have in your life that you might sometimes have to pull away from a little bit to fit in something that maybe is more important. So thanks for, for coming on and, and uh, reminding us all of that. Now, Enzondi, where can everyone find your books, find out more about you, find your music, let us know. And obviously we'll pop the link down, down below as well. Real easy. You can go right to my website and the website is aantoniohall.com. And from there, you'll, you can find it. You can go to links, the music links, interviews, et cetera, my books. A as in Apple. A again is an Apple. So A Antonio Hall, all one word. Hall is in Arsenio Hall or Hall of Mirrors. A Antonio Hall, not Ace Antonio Hall, but A Antonio Hall at I mean, uh, .com, aantoniohall.com. And uh, you can go there. If you want to contact me, you can hit the contact page and write a message and you can reach out to me. And uh, yeah, and look out for my new single. I have a new single that's coming from the my 12-song album coming up uh, that's going to be entitled In Zondi, you know, my name. Is that eponymously? Yeah. And uh, so the new single's called Light It Up. So it'll be coming out somewhere between the end of September, October. And I uh, look forward to uh, letting everyone check that out. It's, uh, I think it's a cool song. It's a little different from stuff I've done before. It's alternative rock. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. It's just fun. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time. Too. And if you have been listening to this, whether listening to us on your, your podcast, watching us on YouTube, make sure to go down to the comment section below. Uh, leave Ace a comment. Let him know how much you appreciated the wisdom that he had to share. And while you're down there, hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Fully Booked. So until then, cheerio.